God wants so much for us. He wants more for us than we want for ourselves. And not in a fleshly way, in a way that really matters. In a way that is lasting. This morning, in my time of devotion, I, I was reading um, Spurgeon, and, and he makes this unbelievable but true claim. He said, God, God wants to hear from us more than we want to talk to Him. God is waiting. He's willing to hear from us. It's not a bother to Him. He's the Almighty. He already knows our needs. He, he already knows what's going on. But He wants you and I to partner with Him through prayer and to be a part of what He's doing in the world. The only way you can ever discern and know the will of God is through prayer. It's by asking God to do things. And He will say yes. He will say no. And in so doing, He will show you the way. This Wednesday night, the elders are calling the church to prayer. And I hope you can be here as we pray for this, this new administration, as we pray for racial reconciliation, as we pray for revival in this land, according to God's Word. We will be praying according to God's Word, and I hope that you'll be there. I want you to understand something. God, God wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from you. He's oftentimes more willing to hear than we are to speak. And so let us be those who are willing to say, Lord, we come to you in prayer. And let us be willing to be those who understand that God wants more for us than just a personalized private faith. God did not save us to stand alone, but to stand together in the community of His saints under His leadership, in His love, for His glory. He did that because we're better together. So we're going to be talking about all year long the fact that we are truly better together. When God created this world and this universe, there was only one thing that wasn't good, and that was the fact that man was alone. God made us for community. He is community. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is communal. He's made us to be communal. He's made us to be together. And, and this morning, what we want to learn and understand is that God has called us uniquely to be a distinct people. Not, not just individuals, but collectively as a community of faith. God calls us to be distinct, to be something, and to do something. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to 1 Peter chapter 2. Lillian Cohen's going to read for us. Let's all stand together and honor God's Word. Come on up, sweet girl. She is a spitfire. I love this girl. Oh, she is so great. All right, let's take it. Is everybody ready? Everybody at 1 Peter 2, because she is ready to get after it. Y'all ready? Tell us to go, Lillian. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a royal nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, of him who called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The, the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, sweet girl. Let's give her a hand. Isn't she just so great? She's so little. I don't think I was that little at birth. And, and it's so sweet. You know, um, what I hope you, 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 caught, you caught there is just this distinctiveness by which God describes His people. And this is nothing new. You go back to the Old Covenant. God was calling His people to be set apart for Himself. He said, I want you to look different. 
And so he, he created a covenant for that. He said, I want you to live different. So he created a law for that. So God has always had a people for himself, and the people that he calls to himself are always distinct. They are always different. As Jesus was ministering and preaching the good news, he gathered disciples on a mountain. And he preached this word, and this word is still for us today, who are his people. Look at what he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We have a God who has transformed us to be a people of light and, and called us to be influencers of culture. God has called us to be transformed so that we can be transformative. God has made us unique and distinctive so that, that we can strive with Him in the work that He is doing for His glory that we have the joy of getting to be a part of. We are to be a city on a hill. A city is composed of many homes. We are, we are meant to be a city on a hill that shines bright as each family of, of, of faith here, each one of you, stands for Christ. We together gather and as we shine brightly and we say to our city and region, come and hear the truth, come and receive and experience this love. We're not to be an individual house in a valley. We're to be a city on a hill. The world is in, in desperate need for a city on a hill. Our world's in bad shape, friends. We're in a broken world, and it's, it's breaking more and more every single day. Our world, our culture in particular in North America, has lost, has lost a sense of human dignity. Understand, once a human being, once a society loses its sense of respect for human dignity, we become animals. And we fear each other, we fight each other, and we divide, and we destroy. And that's what is happening in our culture today. Everywhere we go, there is a battle, there's division, there's, there is hate. And, and God has called us as His people to be a part of a movement that removes that. You know, it was 53 years ago this year that Martin Luther King uh, stood there at the uh, Lincoln Memorial before 250,000 people, even many more who later saw it on broadcast, and, and heard this great speech, this dream speech, where he stood and he said he had a dream. And, and he was speaking about the importance of human dignity and how racism is not to be tolerated. It's wrong. Racism is wrong. To hate people that are different than you because of their color, it is sin. It is wrong. And he proclaimed that. And we have come. We have come forward. We've taken some steps. But friends, racism is alive and well in this country today. And friends, I'm not just speaking of living hope when I say the church here, but I'm sad to say that there are still there are still places of racism within the church. There's no place for that. We are called by God to be a distinct people, a people who are salt and light, who influence culture with hope and love. And guys, hear me. The church is the plan of God 
And it is through the church that the world has its only hope. It doesn't matter who the president is if our hearts are wrong. It doesn't matter what color he is or isn't if our hearts are wrong. It doesn't matter what legislation tells us. It doesn't matter what the most popular uh, actor or actress is to say. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what people say until the people's hearts are right with God. Everything is going to be wrong in the world. And, and here we have been given this glorious truth. And God has called us to be a distinct people who stand apart and understand there is darkness and there is hate. And the only one armed to destroy it are God's people in the church and the hope of the gospel. And, and here's why. It's what Martin Luther King said. Darkness can out, cannot, out, cannot drive out darkness. Darkness does not drive out darkness. And, and, and light, only light can do that. And hate doesn't drive out hate. Only love can do that. Who is it that has the light of God and the love of God? It is the church of Jesus Christ. His saints who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And we, therefore, have a responsibility to join God in what He's doing. We need to understand this is not optional. So many of us, friends, hear me, we think this is optional. It's not optional. What God is commanding us in our Scripture today, it's, it's, it's a command. Before we get into it, I just want to remind you what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for the love of God controls us. We are to be controlled by the word, by the love of God. Why? Because He's bought us with His blood. Because He's redeemed us through the power of His resurrection. And now we have this right relationship with this holy God. And it changes not only how we live, who we are, but how we see everything else. I love the way C.S. Lewis describes his own personal faith. He said, I, I'm not a Christian simply because I can see Christ, but because I can see everything else by Him. See, once you know Christ, you never see the world the same again. And so once His love has compelled you to believe, it changes who you are and how you see the world. So go to the next one. It says in the same Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't look at the color of skin. It's not the, the way we view people. We have a lens. And here's how we see people. Everyone has a soul. Either that soul has been born again and brought to life, or it is dead and separated from Christ. That's the only distinctions that we see as God's people. And if you see people of color and you fear people of different color than you, you're going to hate heaven. Because if I read the Scripture right, there will be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation who will be there exalting the name of the living Christ in the power of the Spirit to the glory of God. Amen? There is no place for racism in the church today. And if you have a racist heart, repent and believe the gospel and be renewed in the hope of the love of God. And we who believe, we must stand as this light. We must fulfill our destiny. What is that? What's our purpose? Again, still in 2 Corinthians. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We're now ambassadors for Christ. We live and speak for him. His love controls us. We see the world in a different way than the rest of the world sees. And we are now his ambassadors to go into the world and to share the hope that we have. What we are to do is very clear. Sermon on the Mount, 2 Corinthians, it's, it's clear. If you, if you don't understand, it's because you don't want to. 
it is obvious what God has called us to do. The question that, that I want to answer, that our scripture answers for us today, is how do we do this? How in the world does Jason Pettis, living in Bowling Green, Kentucky, as the pastor of Living Hope, how do I do this? And how do you do this? Where you live, where you work, where you hang out, where you go to school. How are you to do this in a daily matter? That's what our scripture shows us today. And so there's two things I want you to see here. First, what we must understand about who we are. And then secondly, what we must understand in light of who we are, what we are responsible to do. Let's take this a piece at a time. First, we must understand who we are. Write it down. We, together, by God's mercy, have been brought out of darkness and made a distinct people. We are those who have been brought out of darkness into His marvelous light. Again, chapter 2, 1 Peter, verse 9. Look at these four distinctives. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Look at verse 9. Look at those, those, four, those four things that we have become. Having been saved from darkness by His mercy, we have been changed. And now by the mercy of God, we are a chosen race. I don't pretend to understand the dynamics of all the mysteries of election and predestination. I simply know these are words and, conce- and concepts clearly communicated throughout Scripture. I'm a pretty simple guy. So the way I understand these, these, these massive doctrines is simply by looking at my own experience and it becomes quite clear who, who it is that was at work that saved me. I wasn't looking for God. He came looking for me. Here's what I know about every person in this room right now. You didn't choose the parents you were born to. You didn't choose to be raised in the home you were raised in. And you did not choose the person who shared the gospel with you. God chose all of those things under His sovereign care. He chose that, and in choosing you, created by by His grace, this glorious way in which you heard the gospel. I didn't choose my parents. I didn't choose to be raised in West Nashville. I didn't choose to see this beautiful girl who loved Jesus and who was not impressed with me and has yet to spend a single day impressed with me after all these years, 29 years, and still no impressive sense at all because she knows a better man, Jesus Christ. And seeing that in her, I had to go to church and I had to play the part. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was looking for a date. But God was looking for me. Here's what I know about all of us. We all have a different story. But there was if you're saved today, there was a moment when God intervened in your story. Maybe you were raised in church and you heard it all the time, but all of a sudden there was this day when it is as though you'd never heard it before. Maybe you never heard it. You're like me. You never heard it before. And once you heard it, you tried not to believe it because you knew it would really mess up your game, right? But then you couldn't run anymore. And so your story became a a part of God's grand story. One of my favorite services we do uh, every year that almost none of you come to is... um, is (laughs) I don't mean that to make guilt. I just mean that for you to change plans. But it's in December, so everyone's busy, I know. But it's when we ordain our deacons and our elders. And here's what you're missing. You're missing these men sharing their stories of how God saved them. 
And every year I am just undone by the power of God's grace and choosing them. And, 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 and you can just hear it in their stories. You can just hear this happened and this happened and this happened. None of their choosing, all by the work and the hand of God that brought them to that place of salvation. And if today you are in that place of salvation, it's because God has chosen you and He has worked in your life in such a way that you heard the gospel and by His grace you've been able to receive Him by faith and you have been saved. We are a chosen peace, uh, people. We are a royal priesthood. A chosen race, a royal priesthood. God has made us royalty. We are now the adopted children of the King of Heaven. The world may not think much of you, but Heaven sure does. And the inhabitants thereof and all the angels, when they see you, child of God, they see royalty, and so should you. We are a royal priesthood. We are priests. That means we now have access, direct access to God. We do not have to go through anyone except Jesus Christ, the God-man who came and, and provided for the means of our sins to be atoned for, resurrected, overcame death. Now we have direct access to the Father. He says the Spirit who now fills us. We are now priests in the high order and have royal blood in us because of Jesus. We are a, a I love this, a chosen people, a, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation by the work of Christ. Not only has our sin been forgiven, we've been given the holiness of God. We are now holy. And we are a nation unto the kingdom of God. Our citizenship is first and foremost in heaven. And again, just a reminder, every tribe, every tongue, every person of color in this world that has ever been who has believed in Jesus Christ, and there will be one from all, so says the word of God, will be in heaven. And that is the nation of God. That, that is what it means to be the people of God. We are a people for His own possession. God has made us distinct, and God has made us His. We belong to God. We say, as Paul did, Galatians 2.20, I know some of you, this is your favorite scripture. If you don't have a favorite scripture, this might be yours, all right? You just didn't know it yet. Since I've been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What is he saying? I'm not my own. I belong to Christ. My old life is gone. He's alive in me. Now it's his. And because of who he is and what he's done, I am different. Now, why did God do this? Why did God, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, who needs nothing because in and himself, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he is worshipped and praised and loved. Why would he come and redeem us? It's for his glory and for our blessing. And so he has done this work so that we now will join him. Look what the text says. He's done this that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, the first thing we got to do is we got to understand who we are. And the second thing we got to do is we must understand what we are to do. So who are we? What, what is it? We, together by God's mercy, have been brought out of darkness and made a distinct people. For what purpose? Write it down. To be sent back into darkness to testify to God's light. Please understand the flow. Feel this. You were once in darkness. God reached into the darkness and took you out, saved you for himself, made you a child of light and love, not to keep you 
only to himself, but then through you to share with the world his love. So he takes us out, transforms us, and puts us back in. Do you see the flow? We come out to be sent back in. We come out to be sent back in. Christ entered our lives and saved us. He made us, set us apart for himself. He has justified us. He is now sanctifying us as he sends us in. And then each Sunday, we are drawn back out for a day of rest and a day of worship to be sent back in for six days of labor. And then he draws us back out to work in us, to renew us in our hope, to send us back in. We are called out of the darkness to be made light and agents of love, to be sent back into the darkness to testify of God's great love, to tell the good news of the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It was 104 years ago when the Titanic sank. And yet we still discuss and know the topic well. The tragedy of the event was not so much just the fact that it sunk, but the lack of compassion, courage, and even sufficient safety in the event of the destruction of the ship. See, that, that boat only had 20 lifeboats. 20 lifeboats that could hold 1,178 people on a boat of 2,224 people. The fact that they went out like that was a crime in and of itself. It shows the brokenness of our world. But friends, as the Titanic sank, those who were on those lifeboats that were, by the way, most of them half full or half empty, depending on your personality type, rather than going back for those who were crying out and in need of help, they stayed away. See, a part of the tragedy of the Titanic is that there were people who were saved and had the means to save others who were unwilling to risk themselves, who were unwilling to put themselves out, that were unwilling to step out of their comfort, to go into the place of darkness where there was death and bring life and light and hope. Is that you? Are you one who has been brought out of darkness and made a child of light and love, who is now hiding, who's hiding the hope of the world. We, uh, we use a symbol here. Um, it speaks of the rescue of God's life preserver. And this is how I'm afraid a, a lot of us live. So we got our life preserver, and now we're going to go hide. That's how alive you are living. Oh, Jesus, please help me. I don't want to do anything that disturbs me. I will give as little as I can and come as often as it pleases me, but please don't let this ring leave me. I know that's not you. I was talking about the other services, but that's really how a lot of people live. It's not how God called us to live. Look how ridiculous I look right now. So not cool, right? Yeah. Mike, you stay out of it. What are we supposed to look like? What's a life support? What was this supposed to do? You know, you're supposed to arm out 
ready to throw. Look at on the horizon. Who needs it? Who needs the salvation? Who needs to know that Jesus Christ is dead, buried, raised, now reigning, now will save and redeem, will bring healing and hope to every heart, make them new, give them purpose, fill them with eternal life that will never end for all eternity for the glory of God. Amen? We amen it, but do we throw it? Let me tell you about something about every, most everybody in this room. you got three kinds of relationships. Most of you have family. Most of you, not everyone, but most of you have family. And you didn't choose them, but you got to love them anyway, right? Most of you have friends. You chose them, and they're messy, but you have to love them anyway. Then you have strangers and acquaintances. As you think about these three groups of people, think with me for just a minute. Think about your family. Who in your family does not have saving faith in Jesus Christ? Can you write a name now? Who amongst your circle of friends? What about acquaintances? What about that, that girl at work? What about that, that, that guy at school? What about the, that, that workout place? Here's what I want to tell you about the majority of the people in our city today. They are not worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They're worshiping the God of comfort. And they don't know Christ. You say, how, do you, how can you say they don't know Christ? Here's what I know, friends. On Christmas Day, everyone needs to be home for Christmas, or at least their parents need to know where they are. Sunday is Christmas Day, every Sunday, for the children of God. And they're meant to be home. And if they're not home, they're being looked for. If you can avoid being home on Sunday and no one missed you, you're without family. Everyone needs a church family. Everyone needs a place to belong because we're better together. And that family is meant to be a, a means by which others hear the gospel. And most of our city doesn't believe that or live in that. And so, who is it you know? Who is your family that doesn't know? Or who are your friends? What about strangers and acquaintances? Who do you know in your circle? Can you name names in your own heart and mind? Now, let me ask you the real hard question. Are you every single day praying for their salvation, and pursuing them with the hope of the gospel? Or are you like the lifeboats of the Titanic who have been rescued to go and hide away from the greatest point of need? I want to challenge you with something today. I want to challenge you. Make it a goal to have at least one, the world is not as it should be, conversation every day this week. You say, what in the world is a, the world is not as it should be conversation? I'm going to be doing an equip class on this starting July, January 22nd. I think it's next week. In your bulletin, don't do it now, but there's a whole list of equip classes. My equip class is going to be how to really um, ramp up this cause for Christ. But what does it mean to have one of these conversations? Here's what it means. Because we live in North America, every single day, it may be your preschooler, it may be a friend at work, it may be some, some friend at school, every single day, because we're Americans, someone is going to complain to you about something in our world. Isn't, am I right? And here's what you do. You say, yep, the world is not as it should be. 
And they'll say, yep, it sure is. And then you say, you want to know why? And they'll look at you like, I guess. And you say, well, see, God created the whole world to be in harmony. But because of the fall, there's now brokenness. And, and But God has come to rescue us in Jesus Christ, and one day He's going to return again. And this is what I believe, and this is what's changed my life. And you share how God has changed your life. That is the easiest conversation to have in the world. I want to challenge you every single day. Pray for family. Pray for friends. Pray for those, those acquaintances and strangers that you are around every day. And every single day, have a conversation with at least one. I mean, goodness gracious, if your mother's not a believer, all you got to do is call her and say, Mom, how you doing? She's going to let you know that her world is not as it should be. I, I know how that goes. My children call me. I can't wait when I, when I get old because I'm not old now. But one day, right, I'm going to complain like you would not believe. Because, friends, there's all kinds of people around us that need to know the truth. And God has given us the means to share it. And, and the hope to do it. And that's what we've called to do. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. We're going to sing a couple of songs. We're going to leave here in just a minute with, with songs in our heart uh, about the goodness of God. But I want to encourage some of you today to come and receive Christ. Just get on your knees if you don't know the Lord and ask Him to rescue you. Ask Him to forgive you. Those of you who know Christ and you're in that lifeboat of Christ, I want to, I want to ask you to come and pray for lost people. You can stand, you can, you can sit, you can, you can get on your knees, however you want to. But ask God to save them and ask God to give you the courage to have the conversation about why the world is not as it should be. And then I know some of you need help today. I know some of you are hurting and you need God's provision in your life. Come ask Him for it. Come ask Him for it in just a moment. Let's leave this place renewed in our hope. Let's pray together now. Lord God, we have just a moment to sing praise to your great name and also to respond to the truth of the gospel, to, to respond to the, the reality of what it is you've done and what you called us to be, what you called us to do. Lord, I, I ask that you would hear the prayers of these people today, right now, those who call on you to forgive them and to give them new life, for those who call on you to act and intervene in the life of a family member or a friend or even a stranger, acquaintance, and to give them the courage to have the conversation about why the world is not as it should be. And Lord, for those who need your help today, some need healing, some need just a word of encouragement. They're coming to you asking you to intervene in some, some way. Lord, hear your people as we praise your name, as we pray to you, as we do it for your glory. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Let's stand together, let's sing. You're welcome to come and pray.